Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel, and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Thank you so much for joining us on our Shepherd King Podcast, as we have been discussing government through the lens of the scriptures. Greg, Right now, we have defined government as God's institution. We have looked to Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, and we understood how it is His institution as a servant for our good, right? We talked about uh, our, our authorities being the ones as God's ministers. But Greg, I would like to hear from you. What should the relationship between church and government or church and state should look like? That's a fantastic question, Leo. So first we need to remember they are separate institutions. God created two different institutions. And we've seen in human history that has not always been true. So we take a look at some European nations, and I know this is going to be controversial, but there are still many denominations where the church and the state are merged. For example, the, king, the Queen of England is still the head of the Church of England. God designed these two institutions to be separate, but he did not design them to be divorced from one another. These two institutions were designed to work together in their respected lands. Mm. For example, we cannot be vigilantes. We can't say, that's unrighteous, so I'm going to go enforce the law. That person was going 70 miles an hour. The speed limit's clearly 45. They broke the law. I'm enforcing it. No, that rests with the institution of the state. And if you're not part of that institution, and we have some ugly examples of scripture in this. I mean, those of you who've read the Old Testament, some stories you're just like, holy cow, what was going on? The book of Judges is always a great place to look. If you think, you know, I think I'm kind of an anarchist, read the book of Judges and see if you still come out an anarchist. You hear crazy stories and it always ended, there was no king in Israel, right? Well, one story that I remember the first time I read Judges, I, I just had to take a break afterwards, and it's the story of what happened with the tribe of Benjamin. Mm-hmm. So uh, great sin happens in the town square of Benjamin. They're not being good hosts. They're violating so many laws. And the tribes said, we're going to be vigilantes and we're going to enforce this. And they go to war with Benjamin. They ended up wiping out the whole tribe. And to correct, you all know the story. They released some women into the forest. You look at that as like, that is what happens when people say, I'm going to take the enforcement of government into my hands. Another good example is Absalom, the guy that was king for a little bit, but he wasn't supposed to be king. Well, he had a brother that slept with his sister. When Absalom learns about this, he gets angry and he takes justice into his own hands and he kills his brother. He murders his brother. It's not considered the death penalty. It's not within the Romans 13 government holds the power of the sword. It is a man who is the son of a king who thought way more highly of himself than he ought, that had righteous anger. It was clearly wrong what his brother did, but he enforced it anyway. Mm -hmm. So there is a separate understanding of government has a role to play. It's the institution of justice, not 
the church. But there's still church governance, right? We practice church discipline. Government should never play a role in church discipline. If someone sins in the congregation, they're going before the congregation. We don't take it to judges, right? Paul says, why are you taking the affairs of the church Mm -hmm. to the Roman courts? There is separation between them. But also, here's what we got to remember. Government's primary responsibility is to punish evil and reward those who do good. It's its primary responsibility. Here's my question, Leo. How in the world is government to determine of what is the difference between good and evil without God? Hmm. How? It can't. Because what do we know about people? The heart is deceptive above all things. So we just look in little Greg Baker's heart, and we just look in little Leo Lazzarini's heart, mm-hmm. and we just led by our hearts here. You know what we're going to do? We're going to call good things evil and evil things good. That's right. Well, government's made up of people. So the institution that's supposed to be punishing evil all of a sudden starts punishing good, and it starts rewarding evil. Mm-hmm. And you can probably think of an example right now in your own country, in your own state, in your own city where that's happening. And you can most certainly pull out an historical example. Not that hard to do. And you can probably pull out some atrocities that warrant being published in the book of Judges. Mm -hmm. And so the church is Christ's ambassadors to this place. We are the embassy of God. We are the embassy of another kingdom. And we are to represent his kingdom values here. So what does that mean? The church must have a relationship with government to represent God and show him this is what is good and this is what is evil. Because only God can define good and evil. And what is good? Good are things that bring life. And what is bad? The things that bring death. That is what evil is. Mm -hmm. And God wants to commend life and he wants to protect us from evil. And that's exactly what the law is supposed to do, protect us from death and lead us to the way of life. Hey, man, Greg, that's so good. And Greg, uh, I would love to get to more examples of scripture that, that, that exemplifies the relationship between church and government. But Greg, on that, the church being a compass to the state, the church being ambassadors for Christ. I'd like for you to share a little bit on how can the church do that, since you mentioned that already. Yeah, so thank you for bringing up moral compass. That's exactly what the church is. It's the moral compass, not just to the state, but to society. Mm -hmm. So another institution we're not spending as much time on here, and there's a lot of great podcasts and other resources on it. That's the institution of the family. Right. But God clearly defines what a family is, right? Mm -hmm. And when we violate his definition of what a family is, there's severe consequences. Mm -hmm. The state's no different God clearly defines the institution of the state, and when we violate that, there are severe consequences. So for reasons above our pay grade, we are born in the United States of America, or you live in the United States of America. In this land, you get to choose. Now, sometimes the options aren't always perfect, which without Christ, they're never going to be perfect, right? Mm -hmm. We still get to choose. So a simple, practical thing that you can do if you're over 18 and you're eligible to vote, vote for those who are going to look to God to determine what is good and evil. That is one practical thing you can do. Two, we can pray for those who are in authority. Pray that they would seek godly wisdom. And three, 
we can approach government. In the United States of America, it is way easier to approach government. We think about the examples and the scriptures. Most governments weren't very approachable. You think about Moses going before Pharaoh. It's not like that was exactly a welcoming hall Mm -hmm. for Moses to walk into. Then he did it 10 times. Can you imagine going in there after hail destroyed the whole city? So now I can go back and go pay Pharaoh a visit again. But he did it. But in this land, we are encouraged to go before governing authorities. And what we need to do, and we talk about this a lot in the church in Bassett Network, where you and I labor, Leo, we don't want to just show up when things go bad, right? right. Like so often the church's tendency, we're going to show up when things went bad. And I'm going to walk into the king's office, and I'm going to tell him all the things he's doing wrong. Mm-hmm. That is not the pattern of the Bible. It happens in relationship. Mm-hmm. David knew who Nathan was well before Nathan showed up at his door and told him he sinned in his sexual relations with Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. David knew that Nathan cared about him. David knew that Nathan had a place in his heart. We see that with Daniel in the scriptures. Nebuchadnezzar clearly knew who he was, and Daniel showed a faithful heart towards Nebuchadnezzar throughout his reign. So when Daniel had to speak the hard truth to Nebuchadnezzar that God's going to turn you into a wild beast, Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to receive it. Daniel wasn't some stranger that said, by the way, you're a wild beast. And that is what we want to get to in our government today. I really encourage you pastors who are listening uh, our hope is to have a church and bastion network in all 50 states. Uh, right now, thankfully, we, we do have it in 12, but we, wanna, we want to do more. If you have a church and bastion network, I really encourage you to begin to engage in a relational way with government. And that might not mean that you personally have that deeper relationship, but what it does mean that we are able to do, because God created a bigger body, that we can share this responsibility as the capital C church as an institution, we can build a relationship with government mm-hmm. so that we can have a tangible voice into it. That's so great, Greg. Thank you for sharing that. And Greg, you mentioned relationship. So give the example of David uh, and Nathan. Uh, you, you highlight a little bit of that relationship. But how about today? How can we actually build such a relationship with our representatives, our senators, uh, our governor? How is that even possible today? So a, a key component of relationship is not showing up infrequently. Relationship requires you seeing each other regularly. If you see your kids once a year, you do not have a relationship with your family. If you go to church once a year and you're not a member of that church, you don't have fellowship in that church, you don't know anyone in that church. And you think about government, often we go to government once a year, and I'm using we broadly here. Typically we get upset about something, abortion's been the hot issue today, slavery was an issue of the past, we get hot about something, we go and we protest government. And maybe you hold a rally at your state capitol building You go and then maybe some of you are brave and you stay after that rally. And uh, you pray, you stay after, and then you're given a little list. Go talk to this representative, go talk Mm -hmm. to this senator. Maybe you got a really influential person that organized it and you get to meet with your your state's governor themselves or you're really influential, you get to meet the president of the United States themselves. Maybe maybe you got that. Mm -hmm. And you go in and you say, we're up here for the rally for life, we're up here for this pro-life day, we're up here for prayer for life, whatever you want to call it. And we're going to talk to you about abortion. 
and they're pro-choice. If you get the meeting at first, that's a miracle. Second, it's just not going to go well. And then you leave and you come back a year later. And then you wonder why nothing changed. Mm -hmm. It's absent of relationship. We would never implement our government strategies in the local church. Mm. Imagine somebody visits your local church on Sunday. They're enjoying it. They love the worship music. They like the teaching. And uh, the very first thing you start calling out is, uh, are you going to become a member? Membership is biblical. You should become a member. What's their first Sunday? <laughs> Membership is biblical. Or you need to confess to me. Have you confessed your sin before others? You need to confess. Do you have a pornography addiction? Hi, I'm Pastor Greg. It's nice to meet you. Are you addicted to pornography? Hmm. At some point, we want to get to those conversations, right? We want to create a place that people confess. We want to create a place that they can become members and they're under covenant and we're holding responsibility and accountability. But you don't do that the first time you meet them. Why do we do that to government? Mm -hmm. Why do we jump so quickly to rebuke? Mm -hmm. And then we're so puzzled when nothing changes. You build a relationship into people as they come to church, and that relationship builds a very important foundation. What's that foundation? Trust. And when the foundation of trust is built, we can have hard conversations. The hard conversations don't always go well, but we have a foundation that we can have them on. That is what we must do with government. Mm -hmm. And that means we are required a frequent presence in government more than one or two days out of the year. That's right, Greg. And Greg, on that building trust, you mentioned building trust. We have talked about that quite a few times in ministry uh, as we are building relationships with our governing authorities and as we're having pastors come to the Capitol. And something you have shared with me before is we don't wait to share truth um, we don't wait a long time to share truth, but we build trust as we share truth. Boy, Leo, we could have a whole podcast episode on this. Intentional relationships. Mm -hmm. Little story from my past. Uh, I came to know Christ, age 23, and had a lot of buddies that weren't Christians. Mm -hmm. And... I kind of went about it in two ways. Either one, I, I got too bold and was extremely abrasive, and uh, I pushed people away. Um, so I remember one of my friends, I, I met up with her for uh, Perkins breakfast, and I said, you need to repent and be saved. Like, I became a Christian two weeks ago, and you just need to repent and you need Jesus. It's out of nowhere. Um, and I pressed and I pressed and I pressed and I pushed her away. But then I had a whole other scenario where I was in the other ditch where uh, – I need to build a relationship with them first. Mm -hmm. and, and once I have a relationship, then I can share. Well, then I would chicken out and not do it. Then I would chicken out and not do it. Then I would chicken out and not do it. Also, now we've had lunch together 15 times. I still haven't gotten to the gospel. And what I found is it got harder. Every single time it got harder. Mm -hmm. And I never got to the gospel. So I said, I need to learn to build relationships around God. Mm -hmm. So a little simple thing I did. Mm -hmm. I started carrying my Bible everywhere. Kind of quirky, but everywhere I go, I carry my paper Bible, not my phone, the paper Bible. Not because I'm against the phone, 
But the paper Bible, when people see it, it gives a context, right? People know right away he's a Christian. And if you're reading the Bible, you're probably a serious Christian because Christians don't culturally read the Bible, right? <laughs> so this guy must be serious if he's carrying that book around, right? Yeah. So I started doing that everywhere I went. When I went through the security lines at our state capitol building, I put it through the security belt. It's no metal in it. didn't need to go through it, but I put it through the security belt. I carry it with me every meeting. I put it on the table. I always had it displayed. And why? If you agree to coffee, if you agree to lunch with the dude that carries his Bible everywhere, what are you risking? He might talk to you about the Bible, <laughs> and you're not surprised when he does. If you didn't want to talk about the Bible, you shouldn't have agreed to lunch with the dude that carries his Bible everywhere. And what it did for me, it emboldened me because I knew people knew me that I'm the dude that carries the Bible everywhere. And I found I could start having conversations about, tell me about your faith background. What kind of church did you grow up into? And we began building relationships on the foundation of faith, which made it easier to talk about harder things. Mm -hmm. And all we simply did in the church ambassador now where we took that concept and we just applied it to kings. We're going to carry a Bible everywhere. Mm -hmm. We're going to ask him about their faith the second they come on. They're not surprised that the dude that brings pastors up here that prays with legislators um, is going to talk to me about Jesus when I end up getting a meeting with him at the Capitol building. Mm -hmm. And that is what it means to build intentional relationships. You're pouring into them, but you have an intentional thing that's around. When I went to the University of Iowa, most of my friendships around Hawkeye football. We intentionally cheered on the Iowa Hawkeyes, and they disappointed regularly. <laughs> but here, we are now building intentional relationships around Jesus Christ and his word. Greg, thank you so much for sharing that about building an intentional relationship around the truth. But really, really sharing your identity of who you are from the beginning of relationship. That's that's very helpful. Now, is there any difference between doing that with somebody that comes through the doors of your church, your local church, and somebody that's in the halls of government um, that holds authority over you? How do you process that? Maybe what went through your mind as you're thinking through bringing your Bible to the Capitol? I think that could be helpful for many people that are listening yeah. to us. There's differences and there's similarities. The, the big difference is I came to church, so obviously I have some openness to God, right? These individuals didn't go to church. They showed up at work. So something we take into account, I don't just jump into the Word. I ask for permission. Do you mind if I share this scripture verse with you? Are you okay if we pray for mm. you? There's an invitation, just like there's that invitation to come to church, we're providing it in an organic set, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the similarity is people are people. So they're new in church or they're unchurched at the state level. You're, you're going to talk to them very similar as you would in the church. Mm -hmm. uh, they have the same bondage. They're going to struggle with the same areas. They're going to have the same uncomfortableness as that is. So that is, that is largely the same. Mm -hmm. And what also makes government unique, just in the land that we live in, is that there is a right to petition government. So what does that mean? There's a culture of petitioning. There's always people bringing thoughts and beliefs to government from all sorts of different worldviews. We are just adding one of those thoughts. Mm -hmm. We are bringing the truth of God's word. We are presenting our worldview just like you would with someone that walked into the church. And it's up to them to wrestle through 
What do they think about it? Do they believe the word of God is true? Do they believe Jehud sent his one and only son? They have to wrestle just like that church guest does. So I would say that's the similarities. That's so great, Greg. Greg, one last question to end our time. I've heard many times from pastors within eight years of her ministry, the atmosphere, the relationships um, at the Capitol have changed. I mean, pastors coming to the Capitol, engaging with legislators. How, how would you describe this change over the eight years? Would you, would you share a little bit more on, on that story? Verse comes to mind. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. The capital for too long was a place that was sown sparingly in. Their Lord's people were there, they were present, but not enough, not often enough, not to the frequent presence that was needed. And over the years, even before we started showing up, Leo, mm -hmm. God was bringing people into our state capitol building. Um, a prayer group started coming every Tuesday and started praying every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. um, we had uh, Baptist pastors from uh, across the state started coming once a month, and mm -hmm. two pastors started coming weekly. And then we decided, what if we extended this to the full church and started really making that daily presence at the Capitol? Mm -hmm. And what it did is it turned us into sowing generously. And what has happened at the Capitol in Des Moines, and it's beginning to happen in other capitals in the country, mm -hmm. is that God's word has been sown generously. And what is the result? We are reaping generously. And that is the culture change. That's really good. Greg, thank you so much for sharing um, more about church and government. Um, I'm so glad we're able to define government through the lens of the scripture. I'm really excited about everything that you shared about how can we engage relationally with our governing authorities. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I hope this podcast has been encouraging to you. I hope this has continued to help you see government more and more through the lens of the scriptures and really encourage you to take steps of faith and really engage government in the way that the scriptures model to us. The Shepherd King podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com backslash church.